This is Michael Cowan, and welcome to Trial Lawyer Nation. You are the leader in the courtroom, and you want the jury to be looking to you for the answers. When you figure out your theory, never deviate. You want the facts to be consistent, complete, incredible. The defense has no problem running out the clock. Delay is the friend of the defense. It's tough to grow a firm by trying to hold on and micromanage. You've got to front load a simple structure for jurors to be able to hold on to. What types of creative things can we do as lawyers, even though we don't have a trial setting? Whatever you've got to do to make it real, you've got to do to make it real. But the person who needs convincing is you. Welcome to the award-winning podcast, Trial Lawyer Nation. Your source to win bigger verdicts, get more cases, and manage your law firm. And now, here's your host, noteworthy author, sought-after speaker, and renowned trial lawyer, Michael Cowan. Today on Trial Lawyer Nation, I am joined by my partner, Natalie Arledge. Natalie, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you, Michael? I am doing well. I'm recovering from trial, but other than that, I'm doing well. So today we are going to talk about how to be wildly successful as a lawyer without being a shitty parent, <laughs> which is really tough to do. Before we get there, though, I do want to give a shout out to our sponsor, Law Pods. Uh, Law Pods produces, edits, does everything we need to do for this podcast to make it so easy. All we have to do is sit here and talk, and they do all the other magic from, again, doing the sound edits to making all our cool little videos and ad clips to posting it for us. So if you want to do your own podcast and you want to make it easy, I highly recommend Law Pods. That being said, Natalie, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. So, I mean, you've been on before, but maybe a while. So tell me a little bit about yourself and your practice. Oh, well, I've been lucky enough to be here at your firm for six years. I'll be here six years in November. Oh, wow. Time flies. It does. I feel like it's been a few lifetimes here. I've had a few iterations (laughs) of myself while I've been working here. But yeah, I mean, I I love what I do. I love love all my clients. I love all my cases. And when I'm not being an awesome lawyer, I go home and I have a family. I have my husband and my two little boys. My oldest is six and my youngest is going to be two in September. And before we go to the family stuff, I do want to start with the lawyer stuff. And, you know, I'm so thrilled in the lawyer you, you've become and the lawyer you're becoming. But I want to start, you said you've had several iterations. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, when you introduced me, I started here as an associate and now I'm a partner. It's a huge, huge long track for me to have gotten from associate to partner. When I started here, I was, I had been off of work for nine months. I had been on maternity leave and I felt like I was just kind of getting my, my foot back in the door, kind of trying to remember what it meant to be a lawyer and what I was supposed to do. And then I graduated to becoming a docket lawyer and was handling my own cases. And now I've been honored to be named a partner here and feeling a little bit more like a leader here at the firm. So it's been a lot of growth. It has. And I've been really impressed with your growth. And you don't just become a partner here. There are certain things you have to do. You have to be able to handle cases at a high level on your own without being babied or, you know, having someone have to hold your hand through every step. You also have to have success. You have to be able to get good value on your cases and bring in a certain amount of money for the firm every year to earn that, which you've done. And I want to talk about how you've developed those skills, because, I mean, you you came in, you know, as an associate, you hadn't yet handled a docket at a high level. You hadn't yet learned how to handle the clients, move your docket, lead a team, get top value on your cases. What is it that you had to do to learn those skills? You know, I would say the biggest thing is, is that 
I feel very fortunate to work with a, a lot of great lawyers here, and they've all been more than willing to answer my questions and give me guidance. And so it's been a lot of talking to the other lawyers <laughs> that work here because not everything we do is written down in a book. You can't just look it up and figure out what to do. And so I've gotten a lot of good guidance from them, not only just asking them questions, but also I spent a lot of time early on in my career here just sitting in and watching them work, watching them do depositions, watching them do mediations, watching them prepare experts. I mean, every chance I got, I was just sitting in to watch how somebody else did something. And over time, after watching how everybody does things, it kind of helped me develop my own style, right? I mean, I love what Sonia does and I love what Mallory does and I love what you do, but I couldn't just pick one of those things and one of those styles. But learning from all of y'all, I picked what was what worked well for me. And I, I feel like I really developed my own style, which helped, helped me grow even more. I think that's so important. And it's something that I really had to learn as a person who's trying to develop other lawyers is that development doesn't mean imitating me necessarily. I mean, I have things that I think work really well for me, but it doesn't mean that they would work well for another person. And that person may have something that gets the same result or even a better result, but they go about it a little from kind of a different angle. So what would you say some of the differences you've seen, like between the way like Sonia does things and Mallory does things and I do things? I love Sonia because she is totally fearless. She is totally fearless. She's not afraid to say what she thinks the truth is or what the truth is. And she goes with it and she truly believes it. And she's, she's diehard for her clients, for sure. Mallory is, I feel like she's much more of a diplomat, right? I mean, she's, and she's a good teacher too, but she's, you know, she weighs her options and she thinks about what she wants to do. She doesn't make snap decisions. She's really thoughtful and careful about what she does. And you, I love you because you're a risk taker too. You're fearless in a different way than Sonia, though, but you are fearless and it is fun to watch you and, and learn. And I like watching the confidence that you have. And so everybody's a little different. And um, for a while, I thought I didn't have a style. I thought I was just nobody, somebody that didn't have a style. But I, I learned that I do have a style and that I just needed to learn and watch other more experienced attorneys to kind of figure myself out. What? How would you describe your style? For the most part, I like to think I get more flies with honey than vinegar. And I just think I'm a nice person, I mean, in general. So it kind of fits with my personality. I don't, I don't feel like I have to turn on and be somebody different when I'm being, you know, when I'm doing my job. So that helps. But I also, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess I would say I'm um, to the point, direct. I don't, I don't have time to mess around. I like to fight the fights that I think I can win or that should be fought. I don't like to waste time on petty arguments or little technicalities, things that aren't going to be beneficial to me or my clients at the end of the day. I think that's really wise. What is it you think, you know, because you had, there's at some point you had, not that you were a bad lawyer before, but at some point I just saw like a transformation in you where you just, you just started owning it because you were always nice, but you had to learn to say no to the other side and not feel bad about it. And like, no, I'm not going to let you have a continuance. No, I'm not going to give you all my clients' medical records the last 10 years that aren't related to the cra crash at all. They get the relevant stuff, but not like digging into all the personal history. I don't know what other examples are, but you've stayed nice, but you've gotten tougher and you've gotten, like, like I said, more of a, I own this, this is mine. What is it do you think that, that triggered that? Besides just having the experience and the confidence, I guess, that comes along with the experience, 
I also, I put myself in my clients' shoes a lot. I really empathize with them. And it always crosses my mind. My client's been dealing with this for two years. Do they want me to push their trial another six months down the road because the defense lawyer didn't file their counter affidavit or something? Right. That's, I would feel that was totally unfair to me, so I don't want to do it to them. I wouldn't want everybody looking through my medical records about all the things that are unrelated. So, I mean, that, that helps, right? When I think about, I wouldn't want this done to me. I think the other thing is, I mean, after I, uh, so I had a, I had a baby while I was here. He's the little one that was almost two. And after I came back from maternity leave with him, I mean, it's just, it was a switch because I felt like I didn't have time to mess around. (laughs) I didn't have, I don't have the time to continue the case. I don't have the time to try to work with somebody on something that they really shouldn't have. It's much easier to live my life right now just to say yes or no. And if it's a no and they want to fight about it, take me, take me to a hearing. I'll go to a hearing. But yeah, I've only got a limited amount of time that I can devote to my cases. And so just remembering that and just remembering that and I've only got a a limited time in the day. Yeah, I I do think you've. You really did come back with all your jets firing when you came back from maternity leave. You've been kicking butt and taking names. Do you think you needed to, you got into a run where you started hitting some cases for good money and it just seemed to really snowball after that. Do you think you needed that first taste of success where, you know, it was your case, you weren't like second on the case ever, you developed it, you turned it into good money and just realized that I can really do this to really develop the the confidence? Yes, absolutely. I mean... That was probably the best feeling, getting knowing that I started this case, I worked it up from day one, and that I did all the work on the case, and I got my client's great result. I mean, there was there's no better feeling, really. And so I think when that first when that first case happened, then it was like I am I am a legitimate lawyer, right? <laughs> I can really do this. And so it it definitely gave me a boost in the confidence. And the more they came, the more the confidence came. Yeah, I saw that. And then all of a sudden, like, boom, 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 you're knocking them down right and left. But like, you had to get those first one or two done. It seemed like, I don't know, at least from the outside, look, watching over, it seemed a lot harder for you to get those first couple of, you know, like million dollar policy limits cases, you know, settled for limits. Then and once you like, OK, I can do this, it seemed to get easier. Definitely. Well, and I love that you said it looked like I came back with all, all what do you say, all jets firing because yeah. I did not feel like all jets were firing. <laughs> I felt like maybe I had one jet just enough to get here in the morning. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, I definitely was dealing with a lot of self-doubt and I had a new baby at home and I had a lot of things going on. And I was worried that I wasn't going to perform the, the year I came back like I needed to. and. But yeah, once I got that first big one settled and then I, that boosted the confidence and then looking down the pipeline, I'm like, there's more, there's more I can do. So I'm glad you've done it. As far as the learning, you talked a lot about a lot about learning from other people at the firm. We also do a lot of, you know, trying to go to CLE programs and that kind of stuff. How much of what you learned do you think has come from like going to seminars, external programs, as opposed to just talking to other lawyers peer to peer and and learning one-on-one? Oh, how much have I learned from from all of our trainings? I mean, they are good. I like going to our trainings. Anytime we do CLEs or we do we work with trial consultants or any, I mean, it's always good. And I feel like I always learn something, but could be a lot of information at one time sometimes. So 
the more that we go to, the better, because then it kind of just gets ingrained in my brain. But I usually try to pick up, or I usually, I usually do pick up one or two little tidbits from each kind of training that we have, and that, that'll stick with me. So, I mean, you know, I wouldn't say half and half, but probably pretty close to it. I mean, you know, getting that constant reinforcement with all the trainings, and then when we get back to the office, having other people to talk to and discuss and help me figure some problems out. I mean, it's probably pretty close to 50-50. I would never want to be a solo again, partially because of just crap I don't want to do anymore. I don't ever want to defend another <laughs> depot. I don't want to answer another set of discovery. But other parts of this, frankly, I learn a lot from y'all. I mean, y'all make me better, make me a better lawyer because y'all think of things that I don't, I think I'm a decent lawyer, but y'all think of things I hadn't thought of before. I'm like, wow, that's, I'm glad you're around. But a lot of our listeners are solos or they practice with maybe another friend they got a law school with and they're both fairly young. What advice would you give to those lawyers who don't have a firm with mentors that they can go watch and learn from so to try to get that mentoring or that learning by example? That's definitely tough. I Before I came to work for you, I actually tried to go out on my own for a little bit, and I did miss having somebody, a teammate to talk to. But I would say probably the best thing to do is just to join join your local bar association, join all the local groups, go to the mixers, go to all the meetings. I feel like most people at those, at the groups and the associations, I mean, they're all there because they want to help and they want to spread the knowledge. And so they're always willing to talk and, and help you with whatever you need. Yeah, I know timing available. I mean, we only have so many hours in the day, but I've had, you know, younger lawyers take me to lunch and, you know, I'm, you feed me, I'll talk to you. <laughs> I've even had, you know, people say, well, if you ever do, next time you do a truck driver depot, let me know. I want to watch you. And and I've let it happen sometimes. It feels a little weird, you know, like, why did, I'm not that special. But <laughs> I've had younger lawyers like sit in with me in a depot to watch, go watch trials. I mean, go see you know, if there's a good lawyer trying to case, go watch them do it, see how she does it and see and then think about what's that, what of that would work for me and what wouldn't work for me. Because again, we all have different personalities and different styles. And if we're not real, it doesn't work. It seems, you know, the fakeness comes off. One of the things we did recently that I think was a lot of fun, and I just want to see what you think you got out of this. We all went up to Montana to a, a truck driving school. And then there's a truck driving school in Montana, Billings, Montana, that puts on a program for lawyers where you get to actually go drive trucks, learn how to do pre-trip inspection, learn how to secure cargo, different things. And it was, well, I don't know. I thought it was fun. What did you think? <laughs> I did think it was fun. It was a really neat, different type of experience. So what is it about actually now that you've actually driven a tractor trailer? How do you think that's going to affect you when you're handling a case involving a tractor trailer? It is so different than what I expected. It is not like driving a car, <laughs> right? I just... You know, you, I feel like this might be true for everybody, but it's definitely true for me. It's like, you don't have a real, I don't have a real appreciation for how things work until you get your hands in there and get dirty yourself. So yeah, actually getting in there and driving the trucks and doing the pre-trip inspections and doing the load securements. I mean, it really gave me an appreciation for how much work it is. I think uh, I told somebody at our training that I have a real appreciation now for what it means to be a professional driver because it truly takes a professional. But yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was a great experience. And I feel like now that I've sat in the truck driver's shoes just a little bit, and I'm able to kind of talk a little bit more in their language, maybe have a better understanding of the, the situations that they're faced with, why they might be a problem. 
and kind of and learn, you know, what the companies need to do to do better, to teach them better. Absolutely. I mean, definitely after driving one myself, there's no way you can go to a two week CDL course just because you can pass the, your license exam. You have no business driving that thing after a two week course, <laughs> not not on a public street. But the other thing is the I'm surprised on how much you can see with those mirrors. I mean, how little besides right behind you, how few blind spots you really have if you're looking. Yes, I was really surprised by that. I'm like, I don't see a blind spot. <laughs> so now every time somebody says, well, I looked in my mirror, but I didn't see anybody. How, how come? Yeah. Did you adjust your mirrors? Did you really look? Because we know you can we've been there. We see all, you see it with your own eyes. You can, you know, so your BS detector goes off. Yes. And, you know, one, another interesting thing I learned there was uh, you can't coast to a stop in a tractor trailer. You know, like in your regular vehicle, you could kind of just let off the gas and it slows down. They don't do that. It kind of brings home a little bit more if, you know, they're needing to stop in traffic or stop to not rear in somebody sitting on the highway. I mean, you actually have to engage. You can't just coast along, let off the gas and expect it to stop. You have to be engaged all the time. Absolutely. And I'm so glad we were able to do that. You know, just again, it's just one more piece, one more experience we can go and, and uh, build into our repertoire when we're when we're doing cases. I guess uh, my next construction site case, I need to I guess I got to go get a construction job for it. <laughs> So, just take your water. That's a hard job out there in the heat. The next thing I want to do actually is, that, you know, because I, I don't know how they get any sleep, especially the team drivers or they're sleeping driving down the road. But I want to find, maybe I'll get one of our truck driver clients or maybe I'll get these people that have the truck driving. They have a trucking company as well as a truck driving school. Maybe I'll bribe them to let me ride along with somebody because I'd like to try sleeping in one of those things. Like live like a few days and, you know, can you really get rest? What's it like? That's a good idea. Yeah, because, I mean, we got to ride in one of the trucks with the driver and actually driving, and I was sitting in the back. And, I mean, those sleeper bursts, I mean, it's literally just a mattress. Like, there's not any creature comforts at all. So what if it's hot and they need, can you turn on, you can't idle the truck to turn on the AC. So are you going to sleep that well at night? I don't know. I might do it for one day. I don't know about a couple. <laughs> yeah, but you'd almost need a couple to, to... You know, you can do anything for one night and just see how you feel. I don't. To me, I almost have to live something in order to, yes, to experience it. So let me ask you another thing. So how do you, how do you balance out then being a mother with small children and being a successful trial lawyer? Well, I have to be very judicious with my time. That's the number one. I'm usually the one dropping off in the mornings, and I'll pick up in the afternoons sometimes. And so I know, okay, I've got basically 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. here in the office and I need to work. I don't, I try not to text or waste time. A lot of times I, this might not be very healthy, but a lot of times like I'll skip my lunch break or I'll eat lunch at my desk. But I mean, that's what I have to do sometimes, but that's okay because then when I go home, I'm home with my kids and I try not to work when I'm home because one, I don't think they'll let me, right? <laughs> but too. When I'm home, I mean, that's my re-energizing spot. I mean, that's, they give me the energy to come back and be a good lawyer. And so I want to plug in with them and be with them. And so even if I have to sacrifice a lunch hour here, you know, during the week, it means that I get to go home and be with them a hundred percent. Each year, the law firm of Cowan Rodriguez Peacock pays millions of dollars in co-counsel fees to attorneys nationwide on trucking and commercial vehicle cases. If you have an injury case involving death or catastrophic injuries and would like to partner with our firm, 
please contact us by calling 210-941-1301 to discuss the case in detail and see where we can add value in a partnership. And now, back to the show. And I guess as long as you're intense in work and, you know, you have fewer of those conversations, less scrolling the internet, you know, you can spend all day just checking emails and not get anything done. I mean, yes. I think if, when we get efficient, we can get a lot more done in a day than we think we can. You know, I've, I'm trying not to work. I, you know, I used to work at home all the time and, and I've got a 21 mile commute. So I really try to go like I get to work and then I'm in work mode and then I work, 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 work. And then I get home. Yeah, I used to get home I think 630 to 730 most days. And then I just try to turn it off. I try to get home, see the family, exercise, eat, put the kid, you know, put my eldest, doesn't even put in bed, he's 18, but the, put the younger one to bed uh, while, he'll still, while he still wants to like, say a prayer with me and lay down and hug and stuff. But yeah, that trying to have that differentiation. Now, sometimes you have to work late. Sometimes you have to go out of town. And, you know, Randy McGinn has a good saying. It's like, you can have it all. You just can't have it all at the same time. Yes. So, you know, I have weeks where I'm not as good of a lawyer because I'm spending more time at home. Like this next week, my eldest is where I'm moving them up to college on Saturday. And so I know that I do not need to be working late next week because my wife is going to need a shoulder to cry on and someone to hug her and be home with her. Uh, it is going to be, you know, she didn't ever go off to college. She stayed home. She has a college degree, but she lived with her parents and lived with her parents until she was 27 when she married me. This, uh, while she wants them to go off to school and wants them to have the experience, it is so hard for her because her, her mother told her like, oh, if you go off to school, you're going to get raped. You're going to get murdered. All these horrible things are going to happen to oh, you. Gosh. And even now, her mother will call her like, I'm so worried about him. <laughs> you know, what if he does, what if he gets on drugs? What if he gets with the wrong people? What if this, what if that? And, you know, <laughs> then it gets all her, all worked up and, you know, it doesn't help. And so, so I know next week I'm going to have to be home more. Whereas last week I was in trial and. I would text or call my wife. I didn't talk to my kids every day. I mean, I know that sounds horrible, but it's just like last week I was not a great parent. I was a good lawyer. Next week I'm going to be a good parent and I'm going to, I'm, I got another trial coming up in three weeks. I'm going to kind of let the law stuff uh, fester for a little bit and <laughs> let y'all do the work. And uh, so I can be there for, for my wife. And, get, and even this week, I mean, he's going out with his friends at night. You know, he doesn't really want to do a lot of things with me, but I've noticed that my 18 year old, he's like just kind of hanging out and talking more. I've got Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. i got three days of hanging around talking. That's it. Yeah. I want to be home for that. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's like you've got to put, when you're working, you've got to be working. And when you're at home, you've got to be at home because, yeah, otherwise you're going to miss all of that fun stuff from home. And then you're not going to be as good a lawyer, right? You can't do both at the same time. And sometimes you have to sacrifice one for the other. And you've got to take vacations, both like the real vacation, you know, like a week or more off where you just have that solid family time where you're committed. But even like the little three-day weekends and the, the, you know, just giving them that time to make up for the time when you're not there or you're not fully engaged. The worst is when you're not fully engaged. Like you're there in the room with them, but you're checking your email or looking at something else or thinking about your case. And might notice it. They get mad. Yes. My oldest gets mad at me. He gets annoyed if I'm not, if I'm trying to work, if I'm on the computer or on my phone, he gets annoyed. Just out of curiosity, you know, it's weird. I've known you for five and a half years, but not, we don't really talk about these things. <laughs> so when you're going, you're getting ready to go off on maternity leave. You know, we're, we're, we're going to give three months. Uh, we tell you we're going to give you three months. What is the thought? For, do you ever have any kind of fear? Like, if I do this, what's going to happen to my career? What's going to happen? Am I going to want to come back? How's it going to, I mean, how does, are they going to, are they going to treat me the same when I come back? What, what's going through your mind when that happens? All of that, all of the above. Okay. 
Tell me about that. This time around working for you when I went on maternity leave, I, the feelings weren't as intense, but there's definitely a, there was a lot of guilt because, you know, all the other lawyers here had to babysit my docket, all my cases, all my clients, everything. And everybody was so wonderful and did a great job. And I'm so grateful to that. But I had a, immense guilt about that. And then when I come back, am I going to be able to have the time? Am I going to be able to focus? You know, it was hard to focus. It was hard to re readjust my focus the first couple of months because it's like a whole brand new life when you bring home a baby home. And it's everything's different. Everything's turned upside down. So, yeah, am I going to be able to focus? Am I going to am I going to want to do this anymore? Am I going to just totally fall in love with my baby and never want to do this again and be home forever? So, I mean, all of that went through and there's there's a lot of insecurity about am I going to be good enough when I come back? Am I am I just going to need too much time away from the office that I'm not going to be able to do my job anymore? So, yeah, there's a lot of big emotions going on maternity leave and and worry that you're not going to be able to to come back. Is there anything we said or did that made it harder than it had to be? Um, no, not at all. Okay. I'm just, I'm always thinking, okay, this is an opportunity to, you know, you got your safe space here. If we can do it better next time for the next, the next woman, I'm just wondering. No. You know, we hire, we hire a lot of, you know, women in their, you know, twenties and early thirties. And so this is babies are part and, and men too, men, men, father, children too. Uh, mm-hmm. People having children is going to be part of our firm life and farm culture. Your paralegal is going to have a baby any day now. Yes. Uh, so, you know, to the extent that we could do it better, do you think there's some things we could do better than what we did? No, everybody here was amazing. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> everybody here was so amazing. And but it's so funny because you still have those feelings of they're all within yourself of am I good yeah. enough? Am I going to make it? Am I going to want to do this? And no, everybody here was so amazing and so supportive and Nobody even, I, I told everybody, I was like, please call me or text me if you need anything. I'm happy. Nobody said a peep. They, nope. No, nobody wanted <laughs> no, to. And there I are many was... times that you, people could have, right? There were things that I came back. I was like, you should have called me. I was pretty adamant about not bothering you. I was pretty, uh, <laughs> talk to me. Don't bother Natalie. Give her her time. She'll call us when she's ready. Don't, no, it's uh yeah, it's a it's a value thing to me. It's just I'm not one of these people that think that, you know, we're always pure in everything we do and we're going to totally change the world and everything else. But, you know, can I make the world one percent better? Can I just, you know, make things a little better when I'm gone than they were when I started? And, you know, one one thing I want to do is I want to have a firm where people can have children and be parents and still be wildly successful lawyers and not just saying, Oh, we're work-life balance because we don't work that hard in our cases. No, we want to kick ass in our cases, get every possible <laughs> result, go try them if you don't pay the top dollar, and do a really great job trying them, but also minimize the therapy our children are going to be in 20 years from now. <laughs> well, and I think I think that helps us be better lawyers too, though, because, you know, we kind of touched on it already, but I can go home and I can turn it off for a little bit, or I can go on a vacation and I can turn it off a little bit, knowing that I have the support here to do that. Some places, I'm sure, you know, expect you to be on all the time, or have your cell phone on all the time. And I think being able to allow people to turn it all off just for a little bit and spend time with their families just helps us come back and be even better. Yeah. If you never turn it off, then you just never get to recharge and you just don't you don't operate it on as high of a level. Uh, and because we do work hard and, you know, and we do have nights and I've seen you work nights. I've seen you work weekends when you have to. 
and then you make up for it by taking a little extra time afterwards. And that's, you know, I think Mallory's been a real great, even before she had kids, of just like work, 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 take a four-day weekend, work, 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 you know, take off early. You know, just finding that way to recharge, to always stop and recharge. And now, you know, now that she's a mom, she's got to, you know, balance it out more, but she's still working at such an incredibly high level. And I think what we've really learned from her too is how to, how to delegate more. Like, okay, I, I can't work 80 hour weeks anymore. So now I have to teach someone else how to do things for me and get them to do them at a high level. Yeah, Mallory does awesome. I was totally shocked when she told me that she does not keep email, her work email on her phone. So she can't ever check it when she's away from the office. And I thought, oh my God, she's so successful. Like, how does she not, how is she not constantly checking her emails? But yeah. it is, it is doable. I took the icon off my phone, so I have to search for it, but I still haven't pulled it all the way off. That's um, a good idea because then it's not there in your face, right? You pick up your phone and you think, oh, I'll just look at it. But For the first two <laughs> weeks, just uh, I would just flip my – I would, you know, I have an iPhone, so I would just you know, do the face thing where it opens up the screen. And without even thinking, I was hitting my thumb where the mail icon used to be to just constantly check it. And, of course, nothing would happen because there's not an icon there anymore. So it was just how just – automatic of a behavior it was to constantly be checking my email. Mm -hmm. And now, like I said, I can still check it and I still check it more than I should, but I have to at least like, go to the search bar, search for mail and do it that way. Because sometimes I do want to send myself an email from my phone because I just thought of something. And But I do try, you know, I try to spend less and less time on email. I don't, I'm, I try to let my assistant do my first, I'm really spoiled, do my <laughs> first run of my emails and just come flag the ones that I actually have to read. And she just deletes like 90% of them without me. Oh, that's Ever nice. Reading them. Oh, it's so nice. Um, <laughs> but, you you know, you got to get up there where you're generating enough income or you can hire an assistant <laughs> to do that shit for you. Uh, but when you can, I, I I'll tell you, that's something you should ask for as you as you develop and bring in more and more business. Uh, it, okay. it is a, a game a changer. It's a goal. It is. No, it is. It is a goal because, you know, going through emails, you know, deleting all your the junk stuff, uh, the forwarding things to make sure it gets in the file. It could take up. It could take up some time. Another lawyer wants a copy of a depot and saying, "Okay, well, let me go see if I can find the depot and doing the search and then attaching it and mailing it back." I don't need to do that myself. Some, mm -hmm. she's perfectly competent to do that stuff for me. So it's so nice. So I, I highly recommend that. But, <laughs> so I want to make sure you know we've talked a lot about ourselves and our firm. I want to make sure we're providing value to the people listening. So for th those of our listeners that have families at home. Um, what advice would you give them in trying to structure their life where they can, you know, operate at a high level, you know, really kick butt on their cases, but at the same time, being able to not just be home with your family, but be present when you're home with your family? So we, we, we did talk about it a little bit, but I would say, so I am a person that does not like schedules. I don't, I don't like being told, do this at eight, do this at nine, do this at 10. But I would say, get yourself into a routine, right? You know, you got to start work around a certain time. You in work around a certain time, and then you go home and you be with the family a certain time. But um, having that routine kind of takes out a lot of, it takes time to plan things, right? And so the routine takes some of the thinking out of it. You just know that you have to do these things at certain times throughout the day. So having a routine and sticking to it helps. Yeah, I think the other thing that you and I are both doing is just really, when you're at work, you're at work. Yes. And then when you're at home, you're at home and, and trying to, and every now and then you have to, you know, either get up early before the kids or after the kids go to sleep, get a little bit more work done, finish a brief or some of that. But to the extent possible without a true emergency deadline is, you know, get your, find a way to get your work done while you're at work. And that way you can be actually present when you're at home. 
I think so. I think that's good advice. How about mindset on, you know, on turning that corner where you're really pushing your cases, you know, getting your depots done, tearing up the witnesses on the other side, getting the other side to cry uncle and pay you the top dollar in their case. And because and I really think with you, it's as much of a mind shift change as it was a mindset shift. I, let me say it. For you, I think it was as much of a mindset shift as it was any new skill you developed. What advice do you have to people that, that are trying to develop that killer mindset for themselves? Be fearless. Don't, there's nothing that is going to happen to you that is going to end the world. They're not going to take away your birthday because you're not going to take down your motion to compel, <laughs> right? Um, there's nothing bad that is going to happen to you. You know, one of the things that I learned here from y'all is um, almost everything, not everything, but almost everything is fixable. So don't be afraid to make a mistake because even if you make one, it's not the end of the world and you could probably fix it. So there's nothing to be worried about. Just ask for what you want, do what you want and do what's best for your clients. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Natalie. And I hope everyone else enjoyed talking to you as much as I enjoy talking to you all the time. I'm glad you're part of our team. And thanks for coming on the podcast. Thank you. Just a couple of uh, announcements before we sign off. Uh, first, uh, I've got my book coming out finally by Trial Guides. It should be sh start shipping no later than September 18th. The book is titled Big Rig Justice, A Comprehensive Guide to Maximizing Value in Truck Accident Cases. I know that's a big, long name, but the uh, publishers wanted all that for SEO purposes. But it's five years of my life. It's everything I knew as I was writing it about doing trucking cases. Uh, so if you do trucking work, and you want to give me five or 10 bucks of whatever the purchase price is, you can go to trialguides.com and uh, the book is available for pre-order now and it should start shipping within the next month. Uh, the other thing is, you know, I'm speaking at the Academy of Truck Accident Attorneys Symposium in September in Georgia. If you want to do trucking cases, it is the best program for truck accident attorneys. You've got all the top truck lawyers there. You have a lot of really good experts that are speaking there as well. Uh, that's in Atlanta this year and late September. Just go to academyoftruckaccidentattorneys.org. And I highly encourage everyone to sign up for that, too, because that's another great program. So please uh, hope to see you there. If you're a listener, please come by and say hi. It's always, I always love hearing from, from you all. It always makes me feel like, you know, I'm here talking to a microphone. I see my guests, but I, it's weird. I don't see you all on the other side. Uh, it's nice to know that people actually listen and get value. So if you see it, come up, say hi. It always makes me feel good. It never bothers me. So hopefully I come and uh, meet y'all at the ATA symposium or some other seminar coming up. Thank you very much. And I look forward to having you join us next time on Trial Lawyer Nation. Thank you for joining us on Trial Lawyer Nation. I hope you enjoyed our show. If you'd like to receive updates, insider information, and more from Trial Lawyer Nation, sign up for our mailing list at triallawyernation.com. You can also visit our episodes page on the website for show notes and direct links to any resources in this or any past episode. To help more attorneys find our podcast, please like, share, and subscribe to our podcast on any of our social media outlets. If you'd like access to exclusive plaintiff lawyer-only content and live monthly discussions with me, send a request to join the Trial Lawyer Nation Insider Circle Facebook group. Thanks again for tuning in. I look forward to having you with us next time on Trial Lawyer Nation. Each year, the law firm of Cowan Rodriguez Peacock pays millions of dollars in co-counsel fees to attorneys nationwide on trucking and commercial vehicle cases. If you have an injury case involving death or catastrophic injuries and would like to partner with our firm, please contact us 
by calling 210-941-1301 to discuss the case in detail and see where we can add value in a partnership. This podcast has been hosted by Michael Cowan and is not intended to, nor does it create the attorney-client privilege between our host, guest, and any listener for any reason. Content from the podcast is not to be interpreted as legal advice. All thoughts and opinions expressed herein are only those from which they came.